0: was a Halloween night when one of the neighborhood practical jokers decided to frighten the young trick-or-treaters that came around. He put on a floor-length black cape, a hat with devil's horns, and a mask that combined the worst features of Dracula and Frankenstein's monster and the Wolfman. And then he waited. Finally, the doorbell rang. He flipped off the lights, got a flashlight, shined it on his face, threw open the door, and screamed really loud. And right in front of him, there was this little five-year-old girl dressed up as a fairy with eyes as big as saucers. She stared at him for a moment, and her eyes went all the way up his cape and to his face. And then she said, Is your mommy home? (laughs) Well, we've all come face to face with some monsters, visible or otherwise. The one that Jesus encountered was visible. Others had faced this monster, too. They had tried dressing him, but now he wore no clothes. They had bound the wild, the wild man with chains and put guards around him, but now he had broken free. It appears that they had given up and left the monster to live among the tombs with the dead. When Jesus comes face to face with this monster, instead of further, further trying to chain him, Jesus reaches for the source of his problems and seeks to liberate him. And in so doing, he shows us that the power of God is stronger than any human power. Let the demons in this man represent the demons that plague us, among them insecurity Lapses of ethics, addiction, arrogance, pride, fear. And in fact, it is fear that plays a big part in this story as well. When such amazing healing power is wielded by Jesus, the people around this man ask Jesus to leave. Get out of here, man. Your power is too much. We can't accept that over here. Go away from here, Jesus. Go back to your own people. You make us uncomfortable. Jesus left many others there unhealed, but he did not leave them without witness which we'll see later. An elderly man lay in a hospital with his wife of 55 years sitting at his bedside. He said, Is that you, Ethel, at my side again? She answered, Yes, dear, as she always called him. Yes, dear. He softly said to her, Remember years ago when I was in the veterans' hospital You were there beside me then. You were with me when we lost everything in a fire. And Ethel, when we were poor, you were with me every day. And the man sighed and he said, I tell you, Ethel, you are bad luck. (laughs) Well, people see things differently, don't we? While the majority of people saw Jesus as bad luck in this story, one man knew that Jesus had brought him life, and he chose to not keep it to himself. In Thornton Wilder's play, Our Town, a poignant scene takes place in a graveyard. Ghosts are comforting Emily, the young heroine, who has recently died in childbirth. Still longing for the life she has just left, Emily wishes to revisit one ordinary, unimportant day in her life. And when she gets her wish, she realizes how much the living take for granted. Eventually, her visit is too much for her to bear And she confesses mournfully, I didn't realize all that was going on, and we never noticed. Goodbye, world. Goodbye, Grover's Corners, Mama and Papa. Goodbye to clocks ticking, and Mama's sunflowers, and food, and coffee, and new ironed dresses and hot baths and sleeping, and waking up. Oh, Earth, you're too wonderful for anybody to realize you. Well, every now and then, we realize how good we have it. Every now and then, we can take a step back from our lives and see with new eyes the wonders that surround us. Sometimes, I think it's because we hear stories of others That shock us into remembering what a good life we have and how good our lives really are. Last weekend, neighbors of my parents had a three month old baby die of SIDS. And as my heart ached for that family, I was thankful for the five years, still, (laughs) that I've had with my two healthy children. Earlier this week, I was frustrated by a delay in eye treatment. But then I'm humbled thinking about my mom who's dealt with eye pain for a year and a half and those who have no sight at all. As a church, we may dwell often on what we don't have. But when we hear of another church closing its doors, We remember the hope and strength that we have gained through each other. And we know that we would rather be here than any of the other hundreds of churches in the valley. Epicurus said, Do not spoil what you have by desiring what you have not. But remember that what you now have was once among the things you only hoped for. A pastor who was known for his counseling skills had so many people come that he decided to do group counseling. He scheduled a session for ten people at a time, but when the time came, he was delayed and came late. When he got there, only one person was present, and that person said, Well, we got to comparing notes and decided that our troubles were insignificant to the troubles that others had, so the other nine left. They told me to thank you. I remember at a marriage conference, um, someone, a, a counselor who was talking to the whole group said, um, "What if, you, if you're angry with your husband or your wife because of his or her weaknesses, think about what weaknesses you would prefer that he or she have. Because we're all going to have them. Before Jesus responded to the people by getting back in his boat and crossing Lake Galilee, the man Jesus healed begged that he might be with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your home and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away. Proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Now, you think about that. This former monster has been complete, his life has been completely turned around. He's been completely healed by Jesus. And so the depth of his gratitude transforms him into a home missionary. When we step back, we thank God for the beauty of this valley where we live, for lots of green yards and trees and not cement everywhere, for the majesty of the mountains, the different colors of skin and different accents, different jobs and all kinds of things to do, different types of music and different ideas from which we can learn and grow and not become stagnant, We thank God for people who hold open doors for us or let us out into traffic. We thank God for the challenges that have made us stronger and drawn us closer. We thank God for warm smiles and crow's feet from laughing. It was Thanksgiving Day, and the town grouch was grumbling as usual, A neighbor asked him, don't you have anything to be thankful for? No, he growled. And the neighbor said, have you considered thanking God for turning your nose right side up? He could have put it on you upside down. Then when it rained, you would have drowned. And when you sneezed, you would have blown your thankless head off. (laughs) What can we do then? to develop a continuing attitude of gratitude. Several years ago, Sarah Ban Brethnock offered a book called Simple Abundance, in which she left space for you to write at the end of each day five things for which you're grateful, five different things. She and others found that making this a practice developed them into more positive and fulfilled people. And Susie Michelle Courtright offers five more practical ways to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. She says, having an attitude of thankfulness, of gratitude, keeps us centered and wards off jealousy and negativity. The first one, she says, choose your friends wisely. If you strive to be spiritually strong, supportive, empowering, intelligent, energetic, and positive, seek those characteristics in others. Know what kind of friends will nurture you and set out to find some. Her second suggestion is to help your friends cultivate gratitude. Day by day, hour by hour, make a goal to stop complaining about your life as you make a pact with your friends to cut the complaints from your conversations. Number three, give the gift of gratitude to our children. Help children to be satisfied with the simple things while giving them the innate power and ability to achieve whatever they want in life by living that way yourself. Fourth, say thank you. Think about whom you appreciate. Let them know whether it's your parents, your children, your friends, your partner, a teacher, a cashier. Make it a habit to say thank you and your attention will suddenly turn to all the things people do for you. Fifth, Be mindful of the little things. Strive to be aware of all the aspects of your personal, professional, and family life for which you're grateful. Try to notice the details. She concludes, as we focus on what we have, not on what we don't have, we can help one another have more gratitude for the gift of life. A boy playing baseball alone was heard to say, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And as he does that, he tosses up a ball and he swings, strike one. So he goes to get the ball, picks it up, throws it up again as he does. I'm the greatest baseball hitter in the nation. Strike two, picks up the ball, examines it, looks at his bat, Examines it. All right. I'm the greatest baseball hitter ever. Strike three. Wow, strike three. I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. He turned it around. He turned it around. We can do the same. Turn things from negative into positive. Like for that Gerasene ex-demoniac, many around us are unhealed. But Jesus has not left them without witnesses. And we're it. We're the witnesses. As we think of and speak of the things for which we're thankful, including God who created us and all the things that God has given us, we will feel More positive, more fulfilled, and will help others to see and feel the same. So let us say a prayer of thanks to our God. Holy One, we thank you for hearing our prayers of thanksgiving, for all the beauty that surrounds us, especially in the people in this place. We thank you for our families and for the ways that they touch us and strengthen us. We ask your blessing on them and on us as we seek to reach out to others to find their deepest needs and help to heal them in your name and for Jesus' sake. Amen.